Nina. Richard. Nina Las Vegas. That used to be like your online name, didn't it? It's still my online name on Instagram. Is it? Nina Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Where did, where did that come from? Um, It sounds like Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, but who started it? Did it come from yourself? Oh, God, I have no idea. No, I think it was someone... Someone used to call me that in university, I think. Oh. And then it just sort of stuck. Where did you go to university? Um, In Cape Town. I went to uni in Cape Town. What did you study there? I studied film, uh, costume, makeup and styling for film. Ooh. I studied a lot of shit, man. I did that and then I did graphic design and then I got my chefing diploma. Um, and I was in England with you for ages. <laughs> Fucking hell, what happened with the chef diploma? You were you were being a proper chef. Where, where, where'd that go? You were chefing? Yeah. You were chefing? I, um, I was. I was. I'm a qualified pastry chef. Damn. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I went into the chef industry and I just realized that you have to be like, you have to be able to be shouted at a lot in yeah. the chef industry. And yeah. I'm a very delicate human being. Like if someone shouts at me, I cry. <laughs> yeah. So I just realized after about a year or so that it's just, I'm not built for it. I'm really, I'm not, I'm too delicate. That's such a shame. That's such a shame. I tell you what though, if you ever do come visit, I mean, you got to make us some fucking pastries, man. I will, man. I make an excellent cake. <laughs> I really do. And I, I make normal food really well as well. Cause you have to do like six months of normal chefing before you can specialize in pastry. Nice. So like, I'm a good cook, man. I'll nice. feed you up. All right. Well, Today, we're going to uh, visit a place that's very unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's deep fried there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to Scotland. Scotland. Scot- Scotland? Scotland. <laughs> maybe, maybe we shouldn't do accents. I think both of our accents are so bad. What are you talking about? No, that's gone wrong. No, that's, oh, that's terrible. Loch Ness. <laughs> There's a Loch Ness monster. Loch Ness. Aye. <laughs> Aye. Um... I'm not even. I'm not even gonna try. Have you ever had a bad Mars bar, by the way? Um, it's not my favorite chocolate. So, not um, not a huge fan of Mars bars. I've never had a bad Mars bar, but I would like to try one just so that I know that I've tried something Scottish. They can keep their haggis and all that shit. Give me. I've a bad actually Mars tasted bar. haggis and I actually quite enjoyed it. <laughs> well, that's why you're the culinary, you know, fucking chef woman that you are. Yeah, I had, um, I think I had, I had something deep fried there. I think it was a deep fried Oreo, something. Oh, that sounds good. Have you been Scotland? Mm, I've been Scotland. I loved it. I've never been. I'm jealous. Oh, it was so beautiful. It was really lovely. Um, Where did you go? The food is actually really nice. I went to, um, I went all over the show, man. I went because I went with my friend, I had that Australian friend that I um, went on a, one month camper van trip with around wow. the UK. That's cool. We went Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Mm, that's awesome, man. It was quite fun, except it was in winter, and her and her boyfriend were staying in the camper van, and I was supposed to stay in a tent, like I was supposed to do camping, but it was like minus eighteen degrees. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Yeah, and I ended up sleeping like in the front seat for a month. Fucking hell. <laughs> Well, Scotland is full of lots of haunted shit, Nina. Oh, yeah, there's history there, man. It's history. <laughs> the thing is, though, when you re- when you do your research and you're like, what's the most haunted place in Scotland? There isn't, like, one. There's countless places, so you can't really go, this is the most haunted place in Scotland. So we kind of have yeah. to do a whole tour of Scotland. I'm happy with that, man. I'm so happy. I love Scotland. Let's go. Right. Let's go. Get ready for me to mispronounce a lot of Scottish fucking places. My favourite part, when you mispronounce stuff. <laughs> That's a lot of people's favourite part in my podcast. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> we are going to the Hermitage, the castle in New- Newcastleton, Borders, first of all. <laughs> fucking hell, they couldn't name their own town. Why are you stealing Newcastle from England, Scotland? <laughs> Hermitage Castle broods in dissolute disala- <laughs> isolation... <laughs> Amidst some of the eeriest countryside imaginable. The gentle warmth of a summer's day rarely penetrates its sullen bulk. This is poetic, man. Creepy corridors and cold stone staircases meander between the moss-clad walls of its ruinous interior. 
the very fabrics of which have been imbued with a genuine ambience of menacing evil. Fuck. Did you? That, that sounds amazing. Did you write this? Fuck off I wrote that. As if I wrote that. I, I'm a fucking busy... Just check. I'm a busy teacher. You think I've got time to fucking write poetry and shit? Nah. <laughs> it was like you've got like a secret poetic side that you've been hiding. Hey, listen, on a side note quickly, I've always wanted to buy a typewriter and write short horror stories. That is a genuine oh goal that I'd like to do. We I, have to do that and then you can read them on the podcast. Yeah, I think like no one would ever buy them. But, you know, I just want to do it. I think it would be fun. I'd um, <laughs> pretend to buy them, but because I'm poor and I'm paying in South African rands, I would pay you in love. I mean, love is good enough, Nina. Love is good enough. <laughs> the Beatles said, love is all we need. And they were right, even though they hated, they were right. even though they hated each other. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so built around 1300, fucking hell, that's going back, on the disputed borderlands between England and Scotland. That's why it's called Newcastleton. I'm getting it. The, uh. the castle's ownership would switch regularly between the two over the next 400 years, as the frequent conflicts that swelled around its towering walls led to it being dubbed the Guardhouse of the Bloodiest Valley in Britain. That's a cool name. Ooh. We're getting a lot of history here. Uh, one of the earliest owners of Hemingford Castle was Sir William Douglas, the Knight of Liddesdale, who wrestled it from the clutches of its then occupant, the Englishman Sir Ralph de Neville. That doesn't sound very English. In 1338, D. Neville. Yeah, so we I know Neville, but D. Neville I'm, I was not aware of. Hmm. That sounds like it's come from Holland to me. Mm, it does, doesn't it? Douglas was much respected in Scotland on account of his victories against the English. Fuck the English! However, <laughs> when King David the Eleventh made Sir Alexander Ramsay sheriff, hey, hey, of Tifotodale, the ruthless and envious Douglas lured the unfortunate Ramsay to hemorrhage and imprisoned him in a frightful pit or dungeon, apparently airless and devoid of sanitation. Here he was starved to death, and his ghostly groans have echoed down the centuries ever since. Ooh. Fucking hell. Is it like... This is devoid of sanitation, but I think a lot of places, even in the upper class, were devoid of sanitation in those I was, days. I mean, is it a ghost just saying, I really need a shit? Guys, throw me a bucket. <laughs> I really need a shit. <laughs> I really want to wash my hair. Yeah. Poor fucker. I mean, to die, <laughs> to die and starve is hard enough, but to die and starve and, like, be filthy at the same time... Oh. Um, that's God, just no mean. thanks. I was just like, that's one of my ultimate things <laughs> is I have to be clean constantly, yeah, like, like two that. showers a day, can't function if I'm not clean. So that's like one of my absolute worst nightmares. I mean, do you think you'd get so hungry that you'd eat your own shit like my dog does? Ew. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. I, would, I don't think I would ever be that hungry. I'd start <laughs> eating my own flesh. Just like chew little bits off my arm or my thighs. I have like thick thighs. Uh, but most infamous of the castle's bygone residents was Sir William de Solis, who owned it during the reign of Robert the Bruce. What a fucking name, Robert the Bruce. Uh, Robert the Bruce. Between 1274-1329. Historically, Sir William was arrested and executed him for plotting the assassination of the Bruce in the Bruce. I love it. In order that he might have himself crowned King of Scotland. But legend has chosen to bestow a far more dramatic end upon bad Lord Solace. Tradition maintains that this thoroughly evil individual was a practitioner of the black arts. Who, Ooh, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> who kidnapped the children of the neighbourhood to use their blood in his sinister rituals, during which he would conjure up his demonic familiar, Robin Redcap. Robin Redcap is not a very threatening name, is it? <laughs> no, he sounds like a cartoon character. Exactly. The Redcaps are a thing. I think they're a thing I've I've heard in Irish mm. in Irish folklore. Not so yeah, they're like story. fairy folk, aren't they? Redcaps. <laughs> yeah, but I think they're evil. They're like evil fairy folk. <clears throat> yeah, like little um, goblins. Gremlins. Yeah, that's it. Eventually, the local residents petitioned King Robert, begging to be relieved from the scourge of the wicked lord. Boil him if you must, replied the king, but let me hear no more of him. Taking his words literally, the locals stormed the castle, wrapped De Solis in lead, and plunged him head first into a boiling cauldron, Nina. Oh my god. What is it how did they wrap him in lead and then put him head first in the cauldron? <laughs> I like... don't know. They had a lot of lead back in the day. 
you know, like lead and iron. They don't really have much more. They like their metal. Like a lead cage, and then they put the whole thing in, or if they just wrapped his whole body in lead and then just put his head in. Maybe, maybe. You can make a good um, head pie from that, Nina. Head pie, yeah. Head pie. <laughs> Feed it to your prisoners, they don't starve. <laughs> his, uh, his, the eyeballs are a delicacy. His ghost now wanders the castle, a malevolent spectre whose nebulous meanderings are often accompanied by the heart-rending sobs of children echoing along the crumbling corridors. He's like the but original... No, who are the children? He's like the original Blair Witch. Well, because he used to kill children, right? They're saying oh, he used yes. to okay, yeah, yeah. sacrifice children and take their blood like a witch does. Um, oh, God. There is something strangely indefini- indefiniable, fuck me with this words, about Hemrich's <laughs> castle, as though whatever malicious forces are harboured within its vast, impre- impregnable walls <laughs> represent your presence. Indeed, it is easy to understand the local sentiments recorded by Sir Walter Scott that the castle, unable to support the load of inquiry, inquiry, which had long been accumulating within its walls, is supposed to have partly sunk beneath the ground, and its ruins are still regarded by the peasants with peculiar aversion and horror. Wow. Mm. I mean, Scotland is the most poetic place we've been to so far. It really is. It's a lot more poetic than, like... (laughs) Essex. Fuck off. We invented... <laughs> did you know that we invented the radio in Chelmsford? In Chelmsford, we invented the radio. Really? That's yeah. quite a claim to flame. Yeah, yeah. And we became a city like 10 years ago or something. Aw, it's still a baby city. It is. It's a, it's, a, it's a baby city. It's new. It's not too fucked over yet. It's not too overpopulated yet. It's kind of got a nice... That means you don't have enough ghosts there, though. Nice thing. We definitely got ghosts, man. We got like Essex ghosts. They're all like blonde hair. Um, they're orange, and they go and they go. Shut up! And that's how they haunt everyone. All right. It's the scariest ghost I've ever heard of. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> Jesus, imagine having an Essex ghost. That would drive me fucking mad. All right. Uh, black. We're now going to Blackness Castle. That sounds. I mean, you can't get. That's any a more. lazy name. That's a lazy, <laughs> lazy name. Uh, it, but it is in Blackness Falkirk. But Blackness is a lazy name. <laughs> I didn't know it was a fucking place. It's mad. Do you think? It, do you think it's called that because the weather's always so black over there? Like it's always cloudy Probably. and miserable and rainy. There was and like, like some guy was there, and he's like, "It's quite dark here, yeah. like very black." What yeah. do I call it? The blackness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your worst nightmares could not conjure up a place as demonic as the aptly named Blackness Castle. It squats Mm. menacingly atop a knoll of jagged black rocks, its shoreline lapped by the grey waters of the Firth of Forth. Don't ask me what the Firth of Forth is, Nina, because I ain't got fucking clue. (laughs) From the moment you set foot on the rickety pathway of its dark vaulted gatehouse, you are confronted by a sparse inferior where evil foreboding oozes from its every pore. Got like As you wander between its for, for, forbid, forbidden, fuck me, towers, <laughs> you don't so much walk as stumble across the uneven cobblestones or scramble across chunk, chunks of black serrated rock to reach rooms and staircases where you can just sense that numerous unspeakable deeds have been perpetrated. Oh, Do- I'd love to go there. You'd fall over. I would, yeah, I'm very accident prone, but I would still love to try. <laughs> Built in the 14th century and massively strengthened in the 16th century when it became an artillery fortress, it has also been a royal castle, an armaments de- depot, and a state prison. That's it's had a lot. It's had a lot of shit happen to it. Yeah. The central tower is known as the Prism Tower, and as you climb its winding stone staircase, a distinct feeling of oppressive coldness hangs heavy in the air. It was here that a dramatic manifestation occurred in the late 1990s. When a le- oh, so that's, that's recent. Oh, yeah, it's recent because there's lots of history. When a lady who had brought her two young sons on a visit was startled by the sudden appearance of a knight in armour, whom she claimed chased her angrily from the tower. Ooh. What are you doing if a knight in armour chases you, Nina? I don't know, it depends. Is he rattling and making noise like he's a real knight? Or is he just, like, spookily gliding along? Because if he's, like, spookily gliding along, I probably wouldn't run. 
you just wait for him to go past you, like go through you. Yeah, exactly. If he's a knight, I would just trip him up. Yeah, oh, there we go. That armor's quite ungainly. Yeah, I don't know if you is. can actually run in it. Not, not on the staircase, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> a group of ghost enthusiasts who persuaded the custo- custodian to allow them to stay overnight one Halloween, of course one Halloween, were disturbed mm-hmm. by the constant noise of furniture being scraped and banged across the stone floor of the room beneath them. Although one of their number bravely investigated the disturbance, he found nothing out of place. But the moment he returned to his companions, the noises began again. Ooh, furniture movers. Ooh, so there's furniture movers and knights, apparently, at that place. Okay, like it. Right, let's go to Edinburgh. Yes, okay, cool. <laughs> I love Edinburgh. We're going to Mary King's Clothes in Edinburgh. <gasps> you I've not- been there. You've been there, have you? Wow. Yeah, I loved it. How did you not see a ghost, Nina? You're shit. I didn't. I didn't see a ghost. I looked, man. I told you, I've been to all of these haunted places and I looked for ghosts, so I didn't see any. You should have fucking saw a ghost and come, waited like 15 years to then tell a ghost story on a podcast. You know, maybe I'll look back at pictures and see a ghost in my pictures. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, that's like insidious. Right. Uh, standing in the dark, narrow. Closes and winds that slope steeply between winds, sorry, steep slope steeply between the tall gaunt buildings that lie on the ridge known as the Royal Mile in Edinburgh. You find yourself lost in an almost ethereal world of silent shadow. In the Middle Ages, there was one of the most densely populated and disease-ridden quarters in Europe. Fuck you now. You've been to a gross place, Nina. I know. I was just thinking, like. The one thing about these places, especially like Edinburgh, these cities, they stink. They really do stink. (laughs) Wow, you just insulted the whole of Scotland. (laughs) Like the countryside is lovely, but if you go in the cities, it's very like close and it's like, it smells. You start, Scotland is now going to have a war with South Africa. No, I love Scotland. Don't hate me. (laughs) It's going to happen. I think South Africa will win because you're you're a larger country, but I don't know. Mm. Edinburgh's got some, some army shit. They got, like, the British army. Um, yeah, I think they'd win, to be honest. I mean, don't worry. England doesn't care when anyone insults Scotland. They're just like, yeah, they are right, smelly bastards. <laughs> um, in the Middle Ages, this was one of the most densely populated and disease-ridden quarters in Europe. And you entered these sinister labyrinths at your peril. Confined by the city wall, Edinburgh had expanded upwards. Its stark tenements rising nine, ten, even eleven stories high, casting the walkways between them into internal darkness. Mm. E- even today, a journey through these murky chasms is not for the faint of heart, and the tales of ghosts and sinister happen- happenings, of which there are a plenty, can elicit cold shivers even on the brightest South African summer days, Nina. <laughs> buried beneath the eighteenth. 18- Buried beneath the 18th century buildings of the city chambers, there exists a hidden close that is historically more horrifying and supernaturally more terrifying than any other. Mary King's Close. It's got a really cool little um, ghost tour that goes through Mary King's Clothes. And apparently, like, when I remember speaking to the tour guide and he said that he's had quite a few people that have had experiences, like, sort of ghostly happenings, like shoulder tappings and that sort of stuff. That was just a host. Yeah, (laughs) probably. It was just a host tapping people's shoulders and then being like, oh, look over there. Turning around and being like, oh, no, it wasn't (laughs) me. It wasn't me. Who did that? (laughs) Uh, that's what I think about Jesus and uh, his red wine trick, like water into wine. He literally just told him to turn around, turn around. And then uh, everyone looked back and he had wine. And everyone's like, oh, my God, how did you do that? And he's like pushing the water under the table like, oh, it's a miracle. <laughs> uh, plague was a frequent visitor to the squalard and rat infested tenements of Edinburgh. But one of the worst visitations came in 1645 and the residents of Mary King's Close were decimated by it. The city fathers, in an ill-conceived and barbaric attempt to contain the contagion, walled... Oh my God, they walled then these neighbourhoods off and left the residents to die in what would have been unimaginable horror. Mm. That's a fucked up, man. That's a bad way to go, isn't it? Fucking walled Very up. bad way to go. Worse than being locked in a dungeon without a shower. Fucking hell. 
they, I mean, at least there's other people. Maybe they could have fornicated before they died and had one last orgasm at least. Maybe, yeah. Could have. Probably a bit distracted. <laughs> probably couldn't get it up. Um, once the pestilence had adapted, the stench from the corpses became unbearable. And so the authorities sent two butchers, only two, to clear away the ditches of the diseased. The men simply hacked the rotting cadavers to pieces, loaded them onto a cart and wheeled them away. I hope they sell, sell them for food. I really, I really do. And it's like, this is where Sweeney Todd comes from. I think that they would make people sick. Such was the shortage of accommodation that soon new residents came to live in Mary King's clothes. And by 1685, it had become common knowledge that spirits from the plague year were still there. Thomas Collihar, mm, a lawyer, and his wife were beset in their new home by numerous apparitions. The dissembled head of an old man with a grey, wispy beard and terrible eyes was seen floating around their rooms. It was sometimes accompanied by a severed arm, which seemed intent on shaking Thomas Coltheart's hand. What? <laughs> That's the weirdest ghost. I mean... <laughs> Dismembered bodies. Yeah, that. I mean, yeah, I can. I can see that happening. They've all been chopped up. It's like a random arm flying about. Like, yeah. I just want to shake your hand. I'd ask you if it could help me out. You know, when you're like trying to carry too many things at once, you'd be like, "Hey, yo, yeah. can, you, can you hold this for trying me?" Trying to get all the groceries from the car to the to the house yeah. in one trip. So when you need the extra hand, a ghostly child appeared hovering in mid air and veritably. Men, what menagerie? I can't fucking read that word. Of strange menagerie. Yeah, of strange deformed phantom animals paraded before the astonished couple. Ooh. So, ghost animals, and a hovering child. And 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 the arm and the the severed arm. I want to know what animal were they? Just like normal animals, or do you think it was like like mixed up kind of? I think Weird it, animal. I think it was cats, dogs, rats. I don't know, like usual. Kind oh yeah, of. I suppose the ones that died in the in the in the close. Yeah, yeah. The upper stories of the close were demolished in 1750, and the Royal Exchange constructed on the site. The city merchants, however, preferred to do business in the streets, and so the new building became the city cham- chambers. Sorry, beneath which the rooms, passages, and stairways of Mary King's close survived. Today. It is a secret place that can be visited only on pre-booked tours, but it also reputed to be the most haunted part of Edinburgh. Ooh, I'd love to go back. Well, Nina, did you see a tall lady at all dressed dre- dressed in a black gown? Not a black thong, a black gown. <laughs> I probably did, but it was probably just our tour guide. Ah, well, a tall lady dressed in a black long gown is but one of many ghosts that frequent this underground world of lengthening shadows. Several visitors have caught fleeting glimpses of a short, elderly man who who wears a troubled expression. That's a guy who's just lost. Yeah, always looking for his hand. (laughs) (laughs) You fucker. You fucker. You poor, poor man. (laughs) But perhaps the most poignant of its earthbound spirits is that of a little girl whose lank hair, not rank hair, lank hair, hangs over a pale face that is covered in weeping sores. She sounds like the Ooh, ring. Ooh, like the ring. Yeah. She was discovered by a Japanese medium brought here. Of course it was a Japanese medium. By a television company who was told nothing of the clothes history prior to her visit. Mm. Ooh, that's why she was like, oh, I'm going to fall back on my... Uh... My usual my ringu. child, long black hair over its face. Steeping, in, steeping into one of the rooms, the medium was overwhelmed by a disturbingly depressive aura. As she turned to leave, someone tugged on her trouser leg. Going back into the room, she found a dishevelled young girl weeping in the corner, who told her that she had died of the sickness in 1645, Nina. More sickness, plague, is it? Yeah, man. Well, some kind of plague. <laughs> it was there was I can't remember what year the plague was. Sixteen sixty six was probably the plague. I think the plague was the same time as the the. Um... It may have been a bunch of minor plagues as well. I think. Of course, I mean, of course, who who doesn't love a COVID plague? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the distraught child revealed that she had lost her doll and felt very lonely and unhappy as a result. 
moved by her plight, the television crew brought her do- brought her a doll and left it in the room. Isn't that Aww. sweet? Ever since, many visitors have also brought gifts for the ghostly child. And a bizarre collection of toys, dolls, books, and even coins are now piled in the corner of the room, Nina. Weird. What's she going to do with coins? Um, I don't know. Maybe she can buy cigarettes, like ghost cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every kid's got to try a cigarette at some stage, Nina. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, gross. <laughs> Though these days, it would be a vape. They'd be like, yeah, where's my vape at? Yo. Oh, these vapes. Looks so dumb. You see people walking around with them, like, tied around their necks. Agreed. So stupid. Agreed. It's like, come on, man. What? Listen, <laughs> if you're going to fuck up your lungs, at least do it the fucking in style. At least, like, at least, exactly. At least do it properly. You know, like, smoke a real cigarette. Don't don't be a pussy. Like. Fucking. The, the funniest thing, Nina, was literally when I was um, going to a corner shop um, in a quiet little country town, and these two little rude boy teenagers... Went, yo, yo, bruv, can you do me a favour, bruv? Bruv, can you get me an an e-cigarette, bruv? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Can you get me a vape? What's the world coming to you? Can you get you? me a vape? I was thinking, fucking hell, this is the pussiest thing I've ever heard. Sorry, man. Yeah. Um, I didn't say, sorry, sorry, no, I'm not, I'm not a giant pussy. I don't vape. Sorry. Sorry, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to buy you anything unless it's a real cigarette. Yeah. If it was real cigarettes, yeah, sure, here you go. No, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Um, right, Balgoni Castle. We're going to Balgoni Castle. Am I saying that right, Nina? I feel like you can say things better than me. I have no idea. I don't know what it's spelt like, so. Isn't Richard Scottish or Irish? I can't remember. Oh, uh, no, he was also an Essex boy. Fucking hell. Okay, well, Balgoni Castle, uh, Glen... What the fuck? Glenrose Fife. Near Glenrose Fife? NR dot Glenrose Fife. Whatever the fuck that means, Scotland. Um, fucking weird places. The magnificent sandstone residence of Raymond Morris. The much-honoured laird of Bolgany. <laughs> I nearly said Bolognese. <laughs> the lord of Bol- Bolgany is one of the finest 14th century towers in Scotland. Ooh la la. Probably, fancy, fancy. Probably built by Sir Thomas Sibbald, Lord High Treasurer of Scotland. It was added to and expanded over the centuries until David, the third Earl of Leven, built the final wing in 1702. Despite playing host to several visitors of note, Mary, Queen of Scots, oi oi, famous. Oi oi. Rob Roy, don't know who that is, but what a cool name, Rob Roy. Oi oi. <laughs> Daniel Defoe, I only know Jermaine Defoe and he was a great Spurs player. James... I know um, Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah, I know that dude as well. Yep, yep, creepy man. James Boswell and Dr. Johnson Ooh, included. He's Dr. what? Dr. Johnson, Dr. of Penises, surely. <laughs> can I tell you, can I check your Johnson? That's what they used to say. <laughs> <laughs> the Johnson doctor. <laughs> the, castle, <laughs> the castle lay largely neglected by the 1840s and the letters began appearing in the Edinburgh Press decrying its appalling state. The roofs okay. being removed so that the owners could avoid paying the roof tax certainly didn't help. That's fucking brilliant. Oh my God, that's a good way of getting around it. That is just brilliant. remove it. I mean, without being mean to South Africa, Nina, that's the type of thing I, I would imagine South Africa doing. Like, we've got, yeah, we've got roo- we have roof tax here. And then people are like, well, I ain't going to fucking have a roof then. Is the roof tax, like, just basically house tax? I guess so, yeah, but maybe. But it can't be, because if you removed your roof, you didn't have to pay the tax. That seems so silly. It's well, like an... I imagine that's why it's not around I... anymore, Nina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the 20th century, vandals and, ele- and the elements averted the castle's sad decline. And by the 1970s, it was little more than a melancholic ruin. I hate it when you go to old castles and they're just completely ruined, like... Yeah, I like it when they're sort of like upkept, so they're not falling apart, but they're not so upkept that there's like modern stuff in it. Have you ever been Dover Castle? Dover Castle's cool. Yes, I've been Dover. I love Dover Castle. That's a cool castle. I like any castle, man. I'm a castle girl. I mean, obviously the Tower of London is the best because it's just fucking... Oh, I loved it. And it's not a tower, but Hampton Court. I fucking love Hampton Court, man. I love that place. Fucking oh, I haven't been to Hampton Court. If I was a king, I would live in Hampton Court. That's where I'd go. And I'd hope 
that I'd see the ghost of um, Anne Boleyn so that I could propose to her and marry the ghost of Anne Boleyn because she is the sexiest <laughs> woman in history. That would be an amazing wedding, ghost wedding. Yeah, she'd be there with her head tucked under her arms. Yeah, man, wearing veil and everything. <clears throat> Gorgeous. In, in 1985, Raymond Morris, whose family were the first people to live in it for 160 years, purchased Bol- Bolognese Castle, not Bolognese Castle. I really want to say Bolognese <laughs> Castle. <laughs> they had soon grown, used to share in their abode, and the ephoral inhabitants to whom a fortress of such impressive antiquity is inevitably home. The Lord's son, Stuart. I mean, I was expecting a better name than Stuart. Fuck, you know. No offence, Stuart's. <laughs> Um, (laughs) And now you've offended all the stewards. (laughs) Has seen a ghostly old man walking across the courtyard, a head and a collar matrilase out of a wall and in front of him, and even a phantom dog and its nubilous owner who disappeared into an invisible doorway. It's a lot of ghosts. A lot of ghosts. I must say, if I was to die, I would like to have my pet with me. Yeah, you want to have your pet with you as a ghost? Yeah, do it would be so nice. Little companionship. Do I still have to pick up Dizzy's shit? In, in Probably, death? ghost oh, shit. Oh, fucking hell. Surely. Well, maybe that's what ectoplasm is. It's like all the dog, the ghost dog shit that the owners don't want to pick up. I mean, Dizzy it will eat most of her shit, so, you know. Oh, God. I'm sure that's, that's not a good <laughs> sign. I don't think a dog should do that. It's quite common. Dogs, dogs do do it. Google Ew. it. Google it. I've Googled it. One night... Margaret, the lady of Bolognese, was asleep by the fire in Tower's upper room in the blah, blah, blah. The wind often howls in demented fury around the walls and windows up here and there is no central heating. When she awoke to find the figure of a man in the 17th century attire sitting on the sofa opposite, she looked him up and down and then he suddenly vanished. Ooh. Yeah. He's got a good look. Yes, maybe saw some good Johnson. (laughs) A few weeks later, she came across a portrait of the first Earl of Leven and immediately recognised him as the revenant she had seen. Oh, okay. But a castle's most famous spectre is Green Gen- G- Jenny? Jenny? J E A N I E. J E I N E. No, J E A N I E. Gianni? Those? Gianni? Green Gianni? Jenny. Green Gianni Jenny, described in 1842 as being a well-known phantom. Garbed in green, her face concealed by a hood, she wanders Bolognese Castle and has been seen many times in recent years. Nobody knows who she was or even what event, if any, made her such a permanent fixture in the castle's phantom guestbook. She has been seen walking behind the iron bars of the ground floor windows in the ruinous in the ruinous 702 wing and was recently captured on a digital photograph taken by a guest at one of the many weddings now held at the castle. Oh, I want to see it. Do you have it in front of you? No, I don't. You need to look it up. What am I going to look up? Bolognese Castle. I'll look it up later. I can't look it up now. Okay. I'm in the middle of a story, Nina. <laughs> Fucking keep the ghostly shit, dude. The Great Hall, which is the only room never to have been remodelled, still remains many of its original fixes. And it's imbued with a uniquely historic atmosphere, chilling yet tranquil. It is a candlelit place of dancing shadows, where reports of indistinct shapes seen flitting around its darker recesses. Or the oft-heard sound of disembodied voices engaged in indecipherable conversation are sufficient to send uncanny shivers down the spine. Ooh, I want to hear disembodied voices. And to all this, several cold spots defected Oh, sorry, detected, not North, not North Korea, we're not defecting. Um, detected by visiting mediums. An unknown something that once ran its icy cold fingers down the back of an astonished waitress. A disembodied head that once floated out of the Great Hall, not to mention white and grey figures seen at several different locations. 
uh, and you begin to understand why Balgonoy Balgonay has the reputation of being one of the most haunted castles in Scotland. Well, that sounds amazing. It's also a very spiritual and peaceful location, and the romantic chapel, bedeckled in flowers and illuminated only by candlelight, is acknowledged as a truly romantic wedding venue, Nina, so book your wedding there now. Oh my god, I want to get married in a haunted <laughs> castle that so bad. That would be bad. pretty cool, yeah, especially if there was ghosts in the pictures and like... You know, like when you walk down, instead of like our dad, it's like it's it's a fucking ghost. It's a ghost walking you down the aisle. Oh my gosh, I'd love that so much. Except I wouldn't be able to afford it. What the ghost? No, man, renting out a whole fucking castle because I think you've got to be like royalty to afford that shit. Yeah, just do it at night when no one's there. Do it secretly. Yeah, be fine. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Um, the whole castle, cut off from the outside world by huge encircling walls, seems trapped in a time warp. And exploring it in the company of the kilted and bearded laird is an experience without equal. Raymond Morris readily acknowledges the presence of at least nine ghosts at his home, but insists that none of them are malevolent. They're like part of the family, he observes. They were here first. I just hope they're pleased with what we're doing here now. That sounds like Casper. Yeah, that sounds quite nice, actually. It's like wholesome content. It's a family ghost, man. Who doesn't want a family yeah. of ghosts? And you can be like, yo, yo, Caspar, can you put the kettle on for me? And Caspar will yes. come. Yes, yeah, they'll make sure the kettle's boiled by the time you get downstairs. What was that cat? What was that ghost that would ne- now be cancelled in today's society? Fatso? Fatso the ghost. He was called uh, Fatso. Oh, yes. He would not be allowed in today's society. But, uh, fat, you know, Fatso's probably a really good cook. You know, he could probably do a really nice fry-up or something, or batter some Mars bars exactly. for you. <laughs> yeah, deep fry something. Uh, Abby Craig, Sterlingshire, William Wallace, Braveheart. Are you ready for Braveheart, Nina? I'm ready for Braveheart. By the way, is it really bad that I've never seen the movie Braveheart? Yes, it is bad. I've even seen it. Is it actually good? I don't remember it being particularly good, but I mean, I don't know. I have weird taste. It's been tarnished by Mel Gibson because I loved Mel Gibson up until he turned out to be a complete and utter womanizing uh, anti-Semitic drunk. Yeah, I've never liked him. And then when all that shit came out, I was like, yeah, well, that makes sense. I, I mean, I loved Lethal Weapon growing up. Lethal Weapon was brilliant. And I loved ca- um, fucking, what's it called? Oh, my jeez. Um... Fuck, oh, Science. I love Science. The UFO movie. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, that was actually really good, that movie. That was a really good movie. All right, anyway, Braveheart. On the 10th of September, 1296. I mean, this is older than my brain can handle right now, Nina. <laughs> a dude called William Wallace stood upon the lofty heights of Abbey Craig, where Scotland's national memorial to him now stands and gazed across the River Forth at the English-held stronghold of Stirling Castle. We're going to war, Nina. Love it. The second son of minor Scottish noble Malcolm Wallace, William had grown up against the background of war, intrigue and ruthless oppression, that had seen Scotland's king, John Balliol, stripped of his sovereignty by England's Edward I. What a dickhead. Anyone named, anyone named Edward the First, who the, who's the first child, like my brother, must be a proper dickhead. And his <laughs> bounty bowed to English rule, her independence sacrificed to the self-serving interests of her bickering and duplicitous nobles, whatever the fuck that means. It had been the death in 1286 of Scotland's King Alexander 111. Fucking hell, that's a lot of King Alexanders, isn't it? 111? <laughs> Fucking hell. Was everyone just called Alexander? I'm going to guess they were. Um, that set in motion a train of events that would bring Scotland into open conflict with Edward I of England and ultimately start Wallace on his path of outlawry, freedom fighting, martyrdom. Uh, mar- martyrdom? How do I say that? Martyrdom? Martyrdom. Thank you. And immorality. Under Alexander's rule, the Scots had enjoyed 23 years of peace, both at home and abroad, and were basking in a period of prosperity, buoyed up by the thriving export trade. In 1284... The thriving what trade? Uh, export. Yeah, export, export. Not like XXX. It's not like pawn trade. They're not like trading pawn. Uh, I thought you said, said export trade. I'm like, what is an export? <laughs> 
it's like a, a ball that you chained your ex-partners to and they had to uh, carry it around with them. No, I have no idea. In 1284, the king had named uh, as his successor to the Scottish throne his granddaughter, Margaret, the maid of Norway. Mm. Getting a bit of Scandinavian. Norwegian. Furthermore, a treaty had been agreed with the king of England, whereby Margaret would marry England's five-year-old son. Ew! What? Edward of Carnarfon, and join the two dynasties, albeit on the binding agreement that Scotland would remain an independent state. I don't know how old... That is fucked up. I mean, I don't know how old Margaret is at this stage. I mean, it could have been... It doesn't matter how old she is. Marriage at that age is just not appropriate. (laughs) No, it wasn't. But, you know, they were fucking mental back then. Yeah. Thus... The one that's why there was so much war. Everyone's just crazy. Thus, with one act of union, peace and prosperity could be maintained, while Edward's ambition to unite the two countries could be satisfied. Sadly, it was not to be, for Margaret died en route from Norway, and a fierce debate as to a successor ensued. John Balilo and Robert Bruce, granddaughter of the future king, emerged as the strongest of the fourteen contenders. But their rivalry threatened to plunge Scotland into a bloody civil war. This sounds like Game of Thrones, Nina. It does, doesn't it? So it was that the Scottish nobles turned to Edward I of England and asked him to mediate in the contest. In May 1291, Edward invited them all to a meeting at Berwick, where he demanded that before any discussion could begin, all those present must recognise him as Scotland's overlord and surrender all Scottish castles into his hands until the succession had been agreed. Those fucking greedy Englishmen. They're so fucking greedy, aren't they, Nina? Those fucking English. Just greedy. Why couldn't they just settle with their little island, for fuck's sake? Exactly. Just spreading their seed everywhere. Fucking wankers. On 13th of June, 1291, led by Robert Bruce and John Belial, The guardians and lords of Scotland lined up to place their hands in England and, one by one, surrendered their nation's independence by recognising him as superior and direct lord of the Kingdom of Scotland. Shortly afterwards, the accession was settled in favour of John Bellew, who was duly inaugurated by... At what? At Scone. Is that like where scones are at? At Scone. (laughs) Um, It was Edward's insistence that as overlord, he had the ultimate authority to hear appeals from Scots against their king's judgments that edged the two nations into disagreement. But it was at his summoning of King John in 1294 to join his war against France, fuck the French, with the Revolution, that turned the disagreement into open conflict. In 1295, the Scots cemented an alliance with Philip the 1V, of France and effectively declared war on England. It was a brave move, but a monumental miscalculation. Edward, at almost 60 years of age, that's pretty fucking old in 1295, Nina. Yeah, in that age, that's like (laughs) 300. With his flowing mane of white hair, was the veteran of many military campaigns, a warlord without peer. They must have not had Iphritis back in those days or something, I don't know. Yeah... He musketed an army of 25,000 foot soldiers and almost a 1,000 knights and marched on Berwick, when the richest and most populous city in Scotland. It was at that time. Okay. His objective was to teach the rest of Scotland what to expect if they continued to resist. In so doing, he subjected the unfortunate citizens of Berwick to a horrific three-day massacre that left 11,000 men, women and children dead and their blood so one chronicler laminated streaming so copiously that the mills could be turned by its flow. There was just a flow of blood, Nina. Yes, that's insane. Fucking blood everywhere. It's just a fucking... It feels like a bit of an overreaction. Oh, yeah, completely. But, you know, this was just like crazy warship. In- yeah. England's army then swept northwards, inflicting a crushing defeat on Belial's army at the Battle of Donbar, and capturing the ancient coronation stone, the Stone of Destiny, which was taken from the stone to Westminster Abbey. Fucking British. English always fucking stealing shit. No, it's not yours. Put it back. One by one, the Scottish nobles surrendered to to Edward, sorry, Edward I. Then, in July, 
At King Carden Castle, King John himself was forced to confess his rebellion and resign the throne. His humiliation compounded by Edward's ripping the royal insignia from the chest of his tabard. Mm. With the Great Seal of Scotland, the most precious emblem of Scottish severancy, severancy, whatever the fuck, was presented to Edward. He cast its contemporaries aside, observing that a man does... What? A man does good business when he rids himself of a turd. Shit, son. <laughs> That's some smack talk. That is smack talk. That's heavy smack talk for back then as well. <laughs> is Edward going to be a ghost who just smack talks everybody? Just calls everyone yeah, a turd? Yeah, calls them turds. Yeah. You're a turd, you're a turd, you're <laughs> definitely a turd. You're the most turdiest turds I've ever seen. Uh, Edward wasted little time in inflicting English administration upon the vanquished Scots and placed her affairs into the hands of two trusty lieutenants, William de Warren and treasurer Hugh Cressingham. When, where's the ghost shit? Come on, there's a lot of history here. He then there's ordered, a lot of history. <laughs> he then ordered every freeholder in Scotland to swear an oath of feltry to their conqueror. Most did, but amongst those who steadfastly refused were Malcolm Wallace and his brother William. Their father, William, had refused to swear a similar oath in 1291 and had later been killed in a skirmish with the English. By 1296, William had conquered something of a reputation as an anti-English firebrand who had avenged the death of his father by killing his slayer, the English knight named Fenwick. Fucking hell. Fenwick, that's a great, that's a great knight name. He was considered a giant of a man, standing over six feet fucking tall, and had become a sort of Robin Hood figure, <laughs> leading a brand Ooh. of outlaws whose hideout was situated deep within Ettrick Forest. Fucking hell, it is Robin Hood. Where is Ettrick Forest? I don't know, you'd have to Google it. On the forest periphery uh. per- per- stood the town of Lanark, where lived a beautiful young heiress called Marion Bradfoot, or whatever, to whom Wallace was, if not married, then certainly betrothed. When the sheriff of Lanark, Hasrick, fucking hell, had Marion's brother put to death, Wallace and his comrades stole into town and put 50 English soldiers to the sword. So, revolution. Hasrick meted out savage retribution by executing Marion to deny Wallace of the woman he truly loved. Wallace returned oh. to the town, murdered the sheriff in his bed, killed his son along with 240 English soldiers, merchants and communists before going on the run, rampaging his way across Scotland, collecting fables and folios as he went. Fucking hell, he was just killing everyone left, right and centre, he? Yeah, a bit of a rampage. <sighs> what a man. Thousands flocked to his cause, including many noble chiefs. Amongst them, the younger Earl of Carrick, Robert Bruce, who was destined to continue the fight after Wallace's death, and having fear freed his nation from English rule, would become one of Scotland's greatest kings. When the Scottish bishops, when the Scottish bishops gave, bishops gave their blessings to the rebellion, it became both a national and moral crusade. By the time he arrived at Abbey Craig, his army had swollen to over 40,000 men, and Wallace himself had become the ultimate cliché of a patriotic resistance, a living <laughs> legend. <laughs> I'm having to go into horse commentator mode. That's exactly what it sounds like. We're at the racetrack. It's testing my lungs. From Stirling Castle itself, the English commander, William de Warren, watched the rebels assemble with 50,000 seasoned and heavily armed soldiers under him. He was confident that the ill-disciplined, lightly armed Scottish force would be no match for his superior army. Fucking hell, we're going into war, Nina. Oh my gosh, go on, William. <laughs> but observing battle protocol, he sent two Dominican friars to offer a uh, re- reprieve for all past misdemeanors if Wallace and his comrades would surrender. Tell your commander that we are not to make peace but to do battle. We defend ourselves, was Wallace's contemporary reply. Let him come on, and we shall prove this in their very beards. So is that when the big speech happened? Like, they'll take our whatever, but they can't take our freedom? <laughs> I think so. But instead, this mm. was about, like, killing beards. <laughs> <laughs> we will slay your beards. Um, 
On the mornings of 12th century, 1297, the English cavalry began to, fi- to, follow- to file across the narrow wooden bridge that spanned the River Forth. From their vantage points on Ab- Abbey Craig, Wallace and comrades watched as the superior force began to fan out onto the marshy ground below. At 11am, William Wallace raised his battle horn to his lips and blowing a long, loud blast, gave the signal to attack. The English were caught completely off guard as an avalanche of screaming terror came hurtling towards them and plunged into their ranks, swords and spears at the ready. A detachment of rebels broke from the main force and hacked and stabbed their way to Bridgehead, determined to secure it. What's going on, Okay. This is proper war. Panic-stricken, the English troops were unable to proceed but found their retreat blocked by their own advancing company. Many fell and jumped onto the river where, weighed down by their armour and equipment, they drowned in its deep waters. What a way to go, man. Others were either cut down by rebel swords, impaled by Scottish spears, or elsewhere crushed to death beneath horses' hooves and men's feet. Gosh. I don't know which way would be better to go. Crush between a horse, underneath a horse, or to drown in your own armour. I'm going crush. Mm, yeah, I think so. I don't like I don't like drowning. By afternoon, the greatly outnumbered Scottish force had inflicted a crushing route on an English army that until then had never known defeat. Plundering the bodies of their vanquished enemies, the victorious Scots came across that of the hated English treasurer, Hugh Cressenham. They promptly flayed the skin from his corpse and fashioned it into a belt for Wallace's sword. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Wallace was a national hero as he moved on to capture Dundee and drive the English forces further and further south until, by October 1297, not one English soldier remained in Scotland. They'd all been beaten, Nina. Insane. Him with his human sword belt. But as they retreated, the English adopted a scorched earth policy, burning farms, slaughtering livestock and destroying crops. It's a bit of a dick move. (laughs) Never. England to do a dick move? Never. (laughs) Never. (laughs) With the onset of winter and the people of Scotland facing famine, Wallace crossed the border and ravaged, ravaged northern England. In so doing, his reputation for savagery became well and truly cemented in the English consciousness. It was not at all battles, however. He used a letter um, to Lubrick and Hamburg declaring that Scotland was free and that the trade would resume between the countries. Wallace was knighted and declared the guardian of the realm, acting for John Bilil. But as is, all, is so often the case in Scottish history, victory was short-lived. The following year... Edward I mustered a huge fighting force and on the 12th of July 1298 he routed the Scots at Falkirk. The rebellion was over and although he managed to escape from the battlefield, William Wallace renounced his guardianship of Scotland and faded into obscurity, Nina. He disappeared. Oh, shit. It's a bit weird. I wonder what happened to him. I know. He probably just, I don't know. He either like thought, fuck this, I'm going to go drink my days or... He decided, I don't know, maybe he was like, I, I, huh. I've failed. I failed. I thought he was going to be the ghost that we were leading up to. Well, hold on, hold on. We haven't got there yet. I'm hoping there's a fucking yeah. ghost because otherwise I've just read you a fucking history story. Um, <laughs> it is known that he went to France in 1298 or 1299, probably to ask for military or diplomatic help. He may also have gone to Rome for the same reasons. It is highly probable they returned to his campaign of guerrilla welfare and remained a considerable form in English in England side. But history remains mute about his ac- activities until, in 1305, betrayed by one of his own countrymen, he was captured and taken to London, Nina. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, yeah. All right, fuck. There he is. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> there in the imposing surrounds of Westminster Hall, he was sat on a bench, and laurel crown was placed upon his head. Mm-hmm. When the king's justice uh, accused him of treason, 
Wallace refused to answer the charge, pointing out that since he had never sworn allegiance to England first, he couldn't be guilty of treason against him. I like it. He was trying to find a loophole. It's like, this is a fucking loophole. Yeah. The English, however, were not interested in such legal niceties, and the result of the trial was a foregone conclusion. Thus, it was that on August the 23rd of 1305, tied to the tails of two horses, William Wallace was dragged through the streets of London to suffer the barbaric punishment of being hanged, drawn and quartered. Oh my gosh, that's also going to be such a terrible way to go. That's the worst way to go, I think. Yeah. That and like stoned to death, right? Yeah, it's slow and painful. It's like maximum painful. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, there's no ghosts. They just gave me that. I, I'm, I'm just going to say all those places are haunted by him. There you go. 100%. I'm thinking that Battlefield is probably hella fucking haunted. Oh, yeah. There must be like loads of fucking knights and shit just fucking running yeah. around attacking each other. But I mean, it's an interesting way to end for haunted podcast with a story that's never ghost in it. I mean, look, we, we learned the ghost of, of mistakes, the ghost of war, the things that we should let go of, the uh, the conflict between Scotland and England. We want to be unified. We are unified currently, yeah. even though Scotland was And my, my history knowledge is really poor, so I learned quite a lot. Yeah, you fucking dickheads learn, all right? You got a lesson for free, okay? I'm a teacher. <laughs> I get paid to do this, okay? You got this for free, all right? Consider yourself lucky. Yeah, <laughs> my lungs massively hurt after all that reading so fuck you you must be so tired that's I a am. lot of reading i actually i'm tired that really killed me you know you're old <laughs> and ill when reading hurts you and especially being a teacher where like you have to read well i'm not a mainstream teacher but i talk a lot because i just like to talk um so you know it's fucking hard i would never have guessed fuck you nina fuck you <laughs> What's the point? I like it because I'm sort of more of a listener anyway, so I like it. I don't want to waste my time on this earth not talking. I'm going to fucking say every fucking dumb thought that comes in my head. Yeah, good for you, man. And you're all going to fucking listen. <laughs> so, Nina, this is part one of our haunted Scotland because we're going to have to come back because there's just too much haunted places in Scotland. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. Yeah, there is. There's loads, aren't they? Fucking loads. So... Yeah, if you like this, come back for more. If you didn't like this, still come back for more. Um, and just like, you know, laugh laugh at Nina's jokes. Yeah, I mean, or just laugh at how silly we are. Because, I don't know, I think I'm funny. Laugh at the fact that Richard can't read or breathe, okay? <laughs> well, not the not breathing bit, but the not reading is quite funny. Hey, if you're from Scotland and you've got a great Scottish ghost story, send uh, uh, us a voice message or a, or an email Ooh, or whatever. Yes, you can do it via X um, at Cat Like Thieves. I think that's my fucking handle. Or you can email me at something I actually know, which is this is done productions at hotmail.co.uk. And send me some fucking spooky shit. Guys, I want to hear your stories. Nina wants to hear your stories. Make it happen, people. I want to hear your stories. Give me stories. Yeah, man. Nina can't get enough stories. She's got a fucking problem. People need... I want to overload on stories. Overdose. No one can fucking help her. Like, it's a massive problem. But at least I've admitted the problem, and that's the first step. That is the first step. Something England really struggled with. Admitting their problem <laughs> of just wanting to take over the fucking world and then being like, they're still struggling with it. And when other countries do it, we're like, how fucking dare they do it, even though you know we were fucking bastards doing it. Exactly, pioneered it. One day, though, Nina, the, all the world will glue back together, all the islands will come back together and be stuck as one. What do they call it? Pangea. Yeah, we'll be dead by then, so you know, we will never see this piece, but you know. There's hope. Oh. Well, maybe something will happen. Maybe it'll be like an uh, immortality pill before we die. Hey, listen, if there's all these fucking place, no, play, places together, then there's ghosts everywhere. That would be fucking badass. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It will be I wonder if it was like, if that happened, if a ghost from two different places, and if they'd meet and be like, what's up? <laughs> or they'd be like, there'd be like, there'd be like a crazy amount of paranormal activity because you have like ghosts from different walks of life, like. Meshing together. Yeah, there'd be ghost cultural conflict. There'd be a ghost war. Yeah. 
ghost war would happen. Oh. Nina, we need to sign off this podcast. We're about to hit an hour. Quick. Okay. Love you, bye.